now as you pray with me. Man, God, it is, uh, aren't baptism days the best, God? It is so fun to watch your children who move from death to life proclaim it in front of people, uh, to acknowledge it, to lift you up, to bring you glory. So we pray that in this day that you would be brought glory. It's all about you. We are so grateful that you are God and that we're not. Would you pray to me the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers, sisters, and friends, if you don't know the words, to be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We are jumping right in today, people. Uh, I'm pumped. So we're taking a survey today, and it, but it's, uh, it sounds not that exciting, but this is a really exciting survey, okay? That's me on the back end, and my job here, I think this morning, is to prepare us to take it and to take it really well. Uh, the survey, I think, could be significant today, like this day, and is significant in the future as well, all right? But we got to get ready. Are you all ready? All right, turn your Bibles. Page 1068. We're concluding our series on Jesus' I am statements. Yeah, turn some pages. You can get your device if you like. I'm a, I'm a page person, though, although I want you to use your device later to do your survey. This is uh, concluding the series. Just to remind you, I keep doing this to myself. Uh, in Lent, we explored the lives Jesus changed. So people had an encounter and experience with Jesus as our God is alive, which we just sang. We think he is on the move. We think he does things still, right? So people had an experience with Jesus. Their lives were changed dramatically. Now, this series, we're learning about who he is. When he says, I am, he's referencing that passage in Exodus. This is who God always is. This is who he was. It's who he will be. And it's who he is today. So the bread of life, the light, all these things we've been exploring are found in the Old Testament, and he's drawn them into the present and saying, this is who I am. I am God. John 15, are you ready? One more ask. I like doing that to you guys sometimes, make you look down and look up. It's kind of fun to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> so what I want you to do today, I, I was struck by this, um, and I wasn't sure why I wasn't asked you to do this until this morning. Uh, I want you to really listen to the words. I, I'm in my household, I have two small children. They hear me regularly. They do not listen very often. But I found out just yesterday, uh, I do the same thing to my wife. So we all do this. We hear, but we don't listen. So I want you to listen today, okay? But I want you to listen for something. So as I read, you can close your eyes. I'm going to put, actually put, can I get slide number, let's go slide number seven on the screen. You can look at this picture of a vine. You can look at the word, wherever you want. But I want you to listen to the words. And at the end, whenever I'm done reading, we always usually say, people of God, this is the word of God. And you say, thanks be to God. Right at that moment, whatever is in your mind, whatever word, whatever phrase is there from Scripture, I want you to catch it. Hold on to it. I think it might be significant for how you take this survey later today, this morning, okay? So whatever it is, whatever's in your brain, just catch it, all right? And I'm going to tell you what I caught this morning. I think it's why I'm asking you this, okay? All right. John 15, listen to the word of God. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off, we're going to talk about that word today, every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, 
so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man or woman remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. People of God's word of God. All right. I'm not sure it's in your brain. We don't have time to talk about it. I wasn't having to yell them out. We don't have time today. But did you catch it? Do you have something in your mind? If you do, raise your hand. Got something. All right. So this morning, I was like, why am I going to ask people to do this? I'm not sure. But this morning, the word that stuck with me was friends. You were my Friends. And then I thought about what our kids are learning downstairs constantly right now. God made me. God loves me. Jesus wants to be my forever friend. Friends. So in a little bit, I'm going to have you take a survey. This is why I think it's significant. Can you give me slide number six? I think the survey could change our lives individually. And I'll hopefully show that to you. Collectively, this is where we're going to go as church. If, only if, if we are frank. See, a friend can be frank with their friend, right? A friend has earned the right, has spent the time, has walked through the trenches to be able to say, I'm your friend, and when I am frank with you, words of encouragement or words of conviction, I have earned this with you. I have been in this with you. I am your friend. So Jesus is talking to his friends saying, you are my friends, and I think today he's asking us, would you be, I, I didn't want to use the word honest, be frank. This survey we're going to take today is a frank conversation between you and God, and God and you. So we're asking you today is to be honest, frank, and I think you will be encouraged. I've been encouraged I think you'll be convicted. I've been convicted. But you have to be frank. So my sermon in a sentence is this. Slide five. Because of I am, because he is the true vine, because he is the trunk from which all things come, those who remain in him, I, you, us, I, today, we're saying this together, I will be frank. Let's do it on three. Say, I will be frank on three. Ready? One, two, three. I will be frank. Perfect. All right. 
So I thought about this. Um, I want to tell a story of frankness. When, I, when someone was frank with me, but it, it actually moved me in a life-giving direction, okay? Hopefully this encourages you. So I, was, uh, I played basketball at Drake University, and I got to play for a coach named Dr. Tom Davis. And uh, I left high school. I was on a pretty good high school team. I felt pretty good about myself, right, going to college. And I got to college, and my coach had a very frank conversation with me. He said, Clayton, you are 13 of 15. That's where you are right now. I'm on the team, though. I'm on the team. But he says, you're 13 of 15. He said, but guess what? If you're in, if you want to grow, if you want to change, coaches are ready to coach you. Coach Cotterman, 6 a.m., meet you in the weight room. See, because Clayton, your problem right now is you can't really shuffle your feet very fast. So we're going to put bands on your feet, and you're going to learn how to shuffle at 6 a.m. Okay? He said, after practice, Coach Buchanan will be there. And he's going to do extra conditioning, and you're going to shoot, and you're going to shoot, and you're going to shoot, and he's going to encourage you. So if you're in, Clayton, if you're in, there are coaches who want to coach you, who want you to grow, who want you to be the basketball player you would hope to be, that we hope you'll be. They're ready to coach you. Are you in? At that time, I said yes. So I did it all. I got a little bit better. Not a lot better, but a little bit better. But I think that's our invitation today. I, I felt bad about the story because it's 13 to 15, but I appreciated it. He wanted me to become different. So I very much appreciate that he was that honest with me, that he was frank with me. So that's what we're asking you to do today with this survey, is be frank. There'll be things to celebrate, and there'll be things that challenge. But that's, don't we want to grow? I like saying this all the time. We should be the most coachable people in the whole world because we know, right, Jesus died for me while I was a sinner. He knows that I'm broken. He knows that I'm selfish. He knew that before, he, before, before I was even born. Remember Psalm 139 today. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He knows me. He's like, there's more. There's more. There's more. That's what the survey is today. We want to know where we are as a church family. We want to know where we're flourishing, where we are just, man, there is good fruit. There is good fruit. But what are some areas we need to grow? Where do we need to change? And I think we should want to change. We want to become more like Jesus. Amen? All right. We're going to get into this. John, we're going to hang out just in the first couple of verses. Um, and then... I'm going to show you the survey a little bit, but no peeking at it until I tell you. Otherwise, you get distracted. All right? All right. So I just want to read verse 1 through 3, because I think there's just a real encouraging word for us as we move into this time. This, it's really an examine with Jesus. All right? Jesus said this, I am the true vine. Verse 1, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it's even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I find this verse fascinating. A couple things. I wrestle with this verse. Because it says here that any branch that's in, it's in, the branch is in me. It's a part of me. Can I get slide number seven again one more time? So the branch is a part, the vine is the trunk. So Jesus is the trunk. We are branches. And we talk about this here at this church. If you have, if we have repented, if we have 
turned, if we have reordered our lives around Jesus, if we are glad that he is God and I am not, I am in what? What's it called? Circle of love. And we say all the time, Romans 8, nothing can separate you. If you have said, Jesus, you are my God, he is your God, and he will always be your God. You are in the circle, right? So when I was, this is where I'm at currently with this verse. When it says it's going to cut off the branches, that doesn't make sense to me. Because the branches are in the vine. But I was doing some learning. So typically, the vine in the Old Testament is, is Israel, okay? So it's Israel. They, it says in, I think, Isaiah that the Lord uprooted uh, the vine from Egypt and planted it in Israel now, or in the promised land. But if you follow scripture, there's a lot of times where that vine is not very fruitful, right? There are things that would need to be cut. Well, Jesus had some issues with what? The religious leaders of the day, right? The Pharisees. There were some problems, right? But in this story, right here, Jesus is not making a, he's not talking to a lot of people. Who's he talking to? John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his friends, his people who are in him. So this is a word for them. And you got to remember, John 13, 14, 15, what's been happening? John 13, Jesus washes their feet. The rabbi, the one with authority, takes off his robe, gets down on his knees and washes the most dirty part of their bodies, right? They can't believe it. What are you doing? Then he says, Someone's going to betray me in this very room. Imagine sitting with your best friends and, and someone's going to betray us. What? Who? You? Me? What? What? And they says, I'm going to leave. So the room is just in, I mean, it's got to be kind of chaotic, right? So they're fearful. And Peter's going to deny Jesus. This room is just, what is going on? That's John 13. John 14, what does Jesus say? Last week, I am the way. What is he doing? Remember this last week? I am preparing a place for you. Talking to his disciples who are in him. Life is going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be chaotic. We're going to the cross. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be persecution. It's going to be hard. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. But I'm preparing a place for you. I'm preparing a place for you. And then he says, I'm going to send somebody to help you. It's John 14. Now he's talking to his friends right here. And there's a word play happening in the Greek. So cuts off, the word is iro. Prunes is kathairo. And clean is kathairos. Jesus is saying something to them. So the word iro can be cuts off. It can also be mean to lift up, to take with. So a vine, I learned, if the branches are drooping, you do not want your branches to touch the ground. These branches are in, they're in the vine. They're in the trunk. They're a part of Jesus. They're in the circle. But you don't want your branches to touch the ground because if they do, they could get sick. That's how infection things get into the vine. So the work could also be to, to lift up, right? Because Jesus wants to take them with. So he's saying, I, this is my promise to you guys because there's an ending. I'm preparing a place for you. Here's our now. It's wild. This is what you do in the meantime. I am with you, and this is the things I'm going to do for you through the Holy Spirit. We're going to lift you up. Prunes. That word probably more, more closely translated cleans. When you prune something, you, you clean it. They're very intentional cuts. Not just cutting everything like I do when I do my plants. 
no, thinking about, very thoughtful. I'm, I'm creating space, room. I, I want the fruit to grow. And then he has this really assuring word. And they probably would think of John 13. He says, and everybody, you are already clean. You are in me. You're clean. John 13, remember Peter, Jesus is going to wash his feet. And he's like, well, I want a bath then, right? Not just my feet. Give me a bath. She's like, you don't need a bath. Squash your feet. So this word of assurance to his disciples who are about to move into a life where what? They all, almost all, what? Get killed. I'm with you. I, 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 we'll lift you up. We'll, we'll do the pruning, the cleaning, so there's more fruit, right? And you are clean. If you have repented, if, that was Jesus' first message, repent and believe, right? The kingdom's here. If you have done that, you, you have moved in this life with God. But there is cleansing. There is pruning. There are things that need to change. There is good fruit, but sometimes you have to cut off a dead branch. To me, that's what the survey is today. It's cleansing. If you are in Christ, that's what baptism is. We said about you are in Christ, but there's still some cleaning. And I think the Lord wants to do that today for us. So, in this survey, I've got to spend some time at it. You haven't seen it yet. But there are a couple things that struck me. It struck me how, how it, it, I want good stories, so encouragement, conviction, but it just, it hit me like that day. Like it wasn't like a future thing. It was like, no, this is for today too. So one of the questions, can I get slide number, uh, let's see, 13. I can name a recent situation where I've offered an apology or sought reconciliation. Well, I have kids. I say sorry almost every day. But what's so fun is I was thinking about this and thinking about just trying to learn how to do this with other people. And you can do this with roommates or friends. But at our house now, our practice is you don't just say sorry. We say I'm sorry. Then we just say what we're sorry for. Because you can just say, yeah, sorry, sorry. No. We say this all the time. What are you sorry for? And then the other person gets to hear it, and they have the opportunity when they're ready to say, I forgive you. So I was convicted because I have to say sorry so much, but I was encouraged. I was like, oh, but we're working on this. This is a good thing. So I can mark the box. Second question. Slide 14. I cultivate genuine friendships with non-believers to learn about one of those lives and faith journeys. So a few weeks back, we did a, a pray for five. Try to think of five people that we want to see enter the waters of baptism. And I think it'd be so cool if this just kind of stayed here all the time. Wouldn't that be awesome? If there's so many people getting baptized, so many people just in the process of, of moving from death to life, we just, we just kind of leave it here. And every week there's somebody. Wouldn't that be awesome? Ah, oh, that'd be so good. But so we prayed for five people that we want to see in the water. Because that means that they are changing, that they have moved from death to life. There's a place for them. But someone said this to me after one of the services. So I wonder if all of us can think of five people that 
don't know Jesus that we are engaged with where we could pray for them. That was a convicting word for me. Remember about conviction, a good coach, they're trying to lift us up. So the other day, I'm sitting, getting ready for this. I'm getting ready for this, looking at this question, right? And I notice something moving on behind me. I have music in, I'm, I'm working. I notice them behind me. I turn and look. I recognize one person. I don't recognize the other four. So I don't know, I'm working. So I'm keep on going. And the Lord almost taps me on the shoulder. What, what are you doing, Clayton? I was like, you're right. Pop out my earbuds. Hey, you know, and go and engage. But I was like, wow. That happened instantly. That was a little encounter with the Holy Spirit. Am I right? Right there, that day. So I think this survey could change us today and into the future. So as you walk through, if you are frank, it's an anonymous survey. I won't know your answers. No one will know your answers. This is between you and God. But I think he wants you to be frank because he wants us to change because he loves us. Amen. I'm going to invite the, the band up. Get ready here. So before I put the QR code up, because we really like you to use the QR code. That's easier, just so you know. We have paper copies, but if you can figure out how to do a QR code, someone next to you, show them how. You open your camera app. You point at the screen. You have to kind of touch it, and then it will open, okay? So not, but not quite yet. Otherwise, you, you won't listen to me anymore. <laughs> so I had this thought, though. Um, Psalm... See, I think it's 23. Just, so I want to invite you to conclude, perhaps, back there or here, to come forward and receive communion as you complete it. Because what you have done by being frank with God is, to quote the Psalms, you have clean hands and a pure heart. You have come before him. You've been honest, frank with him. And you are ready to come to the table to receive, to acknowledge, to say, you died for me, broken body, his blood. You can come forward at the end, okay? And there is going to be worship on the back end as well, all right? One final thought, Psalm 139. So it's that famous psalm about how God knows you, he made you in your mother's womb and all that stuff, you know? If you don't know, it's on page 618. But the last two verses, I think, are the most popular or the ones you hear the most. It says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. But that's the end. But what's interesting is verse 1, David says, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. So verse 23 and 24, he knows that God knows him. He knows God knows everything. 23 and 24 are him saying, yes, you search me. It's a, it's a green with search. Because we want to be changed. We want to be different. 